0: Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, technology architect,
1: and I am Bill Sickens, your host. This is User Friendly 2.0. I have an interesting show coming up this week. We're going to have a clip show. We're looking back at some things that you, our listeners, have asked about that deem needing to be repeated actually these are some of the better stories of the last year and a good interview that we had so hopefully you'll enjoy that this week next week we're going to have some new material coming up for you that i think you're going to really like a couple of different things happening we're going to be talking to a publisher from one of the modules for online or not online but role playing online too but book-based role playing dungeons and dragons they've made a couple of uh Different campaigns that we've tried out. We're going to talk to them about what goes into that and what is actually required to make those things happen. Send in your questions and your comments. That's how we do our programming. That's how we know what to cover. That's how we know what to repeat. The way you do that is 503 766 6264. One user friendly on Facebook, one user friendly on Twitter. So, a question that's been coming in, and we've talked about this topic a bit, is Windows 11. It came out last week. Questions are being asked. We had this in Tech Wednesday this week. Should you upgrade? And, you know, really, when I'm looking at this, I did the upgrade on my own machine just to see what it was and see how it works. And I've said this before. I think it really looks a lot better than some of the other things. Remember Windows 8 or Windows Vista? I mean, my goodness, they just had it. I think they learned from their mistakes. I am seeing a few bugs in it. On one of my computers, the Wi-Fi stopped working, so I'm going to have to figure that out. And some other little things, like if you click the Start button and do a search on your primary monitor, that works. But if you try to do that same function on any of your secondary monitors, it doesn't work. It kind of just goes away. You can't move the taskbar. I'm still not sure quite how I feel about that. And it's in the middle, kind of like a max dock. So that part of it, I think, is okay. But it's just, you know, getting used to some of these new things. I would wait to upgrade. For right now, Windows 10 is fine. And I think until they get some of these initial things worked out, it probably makes a lot of sense to hold off until some of these things are fixed. If you do want to go ahead and upgrade, you have to first find out if your computer is one of the quote chosen ones that will allow you to do so. They've got some pretty intense restrictions on processor types and other things. And there's a thing on Microsoft's website called a health check that you can go and find out if your computer is even eligible for an upgrade. And if it is, then it will run you through the download process. Doesn't cost anything if you're running Windows 10, and the process itself was pretty painless. Now, I absolutely do recommend very strongly backing up everything before you do it. I didn't have any problems, but you just want to have that in place before you do anything like that. All right, with no further ado, we're going to go into our clip show. Got a great story for you coming right up here. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Glad to have you here. Glad to have you listening question that we have in this week comes from our Tech Wednesday segment on biometrics. And we talked about that a little bit, and I'll explain that in a minute. But uh, biometrics seems to be a topic that has some controversy. So, uh, Gretchen, Jeremy, where do we start with this? Well, how about a good definition of
0: what exactly is biometrics?
1: All right. I think that it's actually a very good place to start. And what biometrics are, at least a 10,000-foot identification, is using something that's personal, like an eye scan or a fingerprint or something like that for a purpose in technology. Usually it's to replace a password or that type of thing. And Tech Wednesday this week, we talked about something called Amazon Go. It's a store that they've had for a while up in Seattle where they've used this. They're expanding it to their stores in New Yorks, and eventually will be to Whole Foods. And that's the ability where you can re- register your palm print to your phone. And you go into the store and shop, and instead of checkers, you just swipe your palm print over a scanner, and it automatically charges your Amazon account for what you're buying. Huh.
2: Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> I don't, know. Uh, okay, I I don't
0: s- think I like that. <laughs> I have to say, since
1: Tech Wednesday, that has been the majority of the feedback from, from everybody listening. And some of you really like the idea. It's easier, and it is touchless. So for the whole COVID era, you don't have to touch a touchscreen or anything like that. But on the same token, it's like, what could possibly go wrong here, you know? And one of the things that's been coming up with all of this in the case of biometrics, cybernetics, all of these type of things that used to be very much sci-fi type things are coming into or will be coming into something where we see them for use. Cybernetics, is a for example, I think we're going to see as a huge quality of life thing. They've worked out technologies where they're starting to be able to Read the nerves from the brain, so if you lose your arm or something like that, you're able to get a replacement and have it actually work and it's in its infancy right now, but it is definitely coming along, and we're going to see a lot of this kind of technology used going forward. We've already started to see exoskeletons and some of those type of things out there, and the reality of the situation is during most of our lifetimes these are all things that we'll see now Biometrics is already used a lot on things like cell phones. And we've seen it for a long time on door codes. So if you're going into a building and it scans your eye or scans your fingerprints, that's all early version of biometrics. Yeah. You know, so that kind of thing. Now, what do you think about that compared to the palm print? Are you comfortable?
0: Okay, okay. I think the eye scan and, like, the fingerprint thing to use as security, I think those things are okay. But the palm print, I don't know. I have this image of somebody uh, managing to use some kind of, uh, like, Silicon or some kind of fleshy type. Oh, you mean like the MythBusters? Yeah, and and making a copy of your hand. They've already
1: done that. And, and they've proved it works. And so, Jeremy, you're going to have to tell us what what did the MythBusters okay. do? The MythBusters did a, a thing
2: of like all the Hollywood myths, and they set up a, a thing to try and figure out if you could break in using all these super high tech locks. And they made fake thumbs to scan stuff, and they they managed to just. Go right through all the doors. Okay, so that's, so that's it's, they've done it. It's been done. You can fake a thumbprint or a fingerprint as long as you can get a copy of the one that's that's a, a you know set up to the lock. You can get that, make a fake one,
0: and get in. So you could you could you could make a fake scan or a print of a palm, or make it into a glove, and then you could buy whatever the heck you want. On somebody else's yeah. account, yeah, yeah that's not a good
1: idea. Modern version of cloning a credit card. My goodness, yeah, you know, yes. yeah, I don't like this idea. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, uh, the well, thing of it is, too, and, and this is one of the big worries I know with a lot of the questions that have come in on this is the other side of it is if we've seen big tech is not very good in a lot of ways of securing data.
0: No, so no, 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 All
1: the way, so this database is going to be stored somewhere. And eventually, there is the possibility that it would get leaked out. Now, I do have to say Amazon seems to be a little better on this than a lot of other companies, but uh-huh. that's, the potential still absolutely exists that mistakes can happen. And now, all of a sudden, you can change a credit card. It would be a lot less possible to change your palm print. I guess then we need to get back into the cybernetics thing, but what a reason to do <laughs> it.
2: You
3: know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. The,
0: the, I think this this is not such a good idea. No, not But like now, that. I have a question. On my smartwatch, there's like a little thing on the back, on the inside. Is that a form of biometrics in order to be able to tell
1: me, like my heart rate and stuff like that? The scanner, yeah, it is based in that kind of technology. Now, that's not being used for a security function, but no. it is the same idea. It's reading something from your body and being able to give you information based on that. And uh, those kind of sensors are really coming along to the next generation of iWatches. They're saying that it's going to have the ability to do things like blood pressure and blood sugar and some of these type of things just built into it. So all of that kind of stuff. And they those type of instruments, I think, are a little bit different. For one thing, usually, check the user agreement, but usually they don't store your biometric information beyond being able to display it on the screen and maybe logging things that's personal. There are some that do um, send it to a system that if you want it to. Right, right. But you would opt into that. I know Fitbit does that. And uh, some of the other ones, but you have the ability to turn it on and off and it defaults to off. So, you know, that type of thing is out there, but that you have a little bit more control over it. Now, I don't think with Amazon Go, from what, or at least with Whole Foods, what they're talking about is requiring that you would do this. You can still check out in the conventional way. It just would give it as another option to pay alongside a credit card or, I, I don't know, that what did they call that? Cash? Uh, I remember that before the pandemic, we used that. The, the cashless society that, that we're yeah. kind of evolving into oh, i mean the look,
0: tap and go
2: or i've seen people use their watches i've seen people use their phones i it, there's no need for handprints thumbprints, eye scans or um <laughs> you know having your blood tested at a supermarket there's plenty of other ways to get out of there without <laughs> touching anything
1: right right so you know i think it'll be interesting to see what the Actual client or customer feedback is going to be on this. So, you know, and we'll kind of go from there. All right. So we've got about 50 seconds left. And I'm going to pose this question because it's come from listeners. If there was a such thing as a Terminator-type cyborg, would you be scared of it?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, I've seen all the puppets and the mechettes. And I, I have a uh, Terminator model somewhere in my stuff. Right. Um, it's basically a yeah,
1: steel skeleton that wanders around and shoots things yeah yeah that's terrifying <laughs> so as opposed to the flesh version that does the same thing but well, yeah. uh, you know no it's interesting you know we're gonna have to see where this kind of stuff goes and i think we're gonna be seeing a lot more of this in the near future maybe not that but certainly cybernetics are gonna come <laughs> into its own this is user-friendly 2.0 we'll be back after the break
4: have
1: Welcome back. This is user-friendly 2.0. Our next segment here, we're going to be talking about something that's been in the news. It's a listener question specifically that came in on this. And where this comes from was the lawsuit with Apple and Epic Games and being able to distribute through the Apple market and all that kind of stuff. And the question has to do, what is the difference between open and closed software distribution systems and is one better than the other? And 10,000 foot view answer to this, just to discuss what it is, is an open software distribution system basically means that anybody can write software for a given platform. Uh, Windows is like this. If I want to go out and write a Windows app or a Windows piece of software, I can do that. I can sell it on my website. As long as it meets specific standards and all that type of thing to work, it'll run on the operating system. Kind of a middle area of this would be the Android phone. There's the Android Marketplace Store. And anybody can write an app to put on Play Store, but it has to be reviewed and approved, and they take 30% of what's being sold. But Android still has a function, if you really want to go in there, that you can do what's called side loading, and you can take an application and load it on your own. And to take that a step further, some of the big boys like Amazon and Samsung have their own markets for the Android platform, so it gives an alternative to be able to get software from those means. A closed distribution model would be what Apple uses, and their software set up that short of hacking your phone, jailbreaking the phone, you're not going to be able to install something that Apple hasn't approved to be able to work on that device. And this is where this lawsuit came from, because now you have to give them the 30% commission off the top of anything that's sold within the app and that type of thing. And while Epic, can, I would think almost certainly can afford it, the arguments made that a lot of the smaller studios, 30% is a big deal. And it is for small business.
5: 30% is big for anybody.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 And so, and every, so that means every dollar you spend, 30 cents goes to these markets. And it isn't just limited to Apple, Steam, which sells games online, which we all use for a lot of things. They have the same kind of thing where it will charge the distributor 30%. And that's how they make their money. Now, the question of which one is better is not one that really has a short answer. And there are arguments for or against both of these methodologies. Now, on a closed platform like you have with Apple, the argument against it would certainly be access. You don't have the right to run your own software. Apple tells you what you can and can't do on the device that you bought based on what they approve. And as a developer, I also know that that approval process is somewhat subjective, to say the least. Yeah. You know, we've been through some different things, and it really is up to Apple as a private company, you know, traded, but still a private company, to decide, well, if we don't like this because it might compete with something we're doing, we're not going to let you have access to our platform and therefore all of the people that use it. Argument for this is you also have a lot less potential for things like malware and other things that are designed to steal information because all of it has been approved, theoretically, by someone at Apple Computer to be able to be out there. So at least being able to make some kind of an assumption that it's safe would be a better thing here. So that's, you know, the argument from that standpoint. Open. Of course, best thing there is, is that it's anybody can distribute and you can sell your own software. And if you want to use Play Store in the case of Android, it's a great marketing situation. And in my opinion, it's worth the 30% because on any kind of a project I've done, it would have cost that much to market it anyway. But it's pretty much the opposite that your app will be approved (coughs) unless someone complains about it or there's some kind of a problem comes up, then they'll take it off. So it's kind of the reverse. But of course, with that kind of a distribution system, it's a lot easier to be able to get malware and other viruses and other things that you would not want into the distribution system. I don't know. Bill, I'm going to ask you this question. What, what are, do you have a preference between Apple and Android and why?
5: I like Android better, but that's because the interfaces in the system is more accessible. Mm-hmm and as a computer tech and someone who customizes a lot of their stuff like you know once it's set certain ways that is what i need to be able to do that cuz i can set you know everything really easily i had an iphone for work once was one, it had some features that i think were okay but they were so different from what i was used to to access things that it was kind of weird but on the other hand i couldn't do anything with the phone there was so much work and so many things i had to go through just to change like this one setting or this one thing, it was just I, I i gave up because it was just such a hassle.
1: Yeah, and that is definitely some of the feedback I've heard is that there's a barrier to entry on being able to figure out how to go through some kind of a process. Now, I've experienced that with the Mac and with Windows, too, but usually it's a little easier to figure it out. And, again, if they don't want you to do it, you're just simply not going to be able to. Now, Jeremy and Gretchen, I know you both use Android phones. I think you have a Pixel 3. Yep. Which is... A, yeah direct model from google so it's designed to run android natively of course and i had one for a while myself and really liked it what is your feeling on this
2: i really enjoy the android system uh the only thing i miss is the differentiation of of settings between phones like one model of phone has uh a certain number of sound settings where you can turn off the ringtone but leave your notifications on So, like you know that that was nice but i don't have that in the new pixel oh really but um no it's notifications and phone call volume are the same.
5: I wonder if that's just uh, like with Android itself, because my Motorola does that too now.
1: That, yeah. That's interesting well, because my Samsung uh, note has four volume control. I'll look at it afterwards and see if it's split in that way. But anyway, Gretchen, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I was just going to say that the, the phone that used to do that was a
1: Samsung. Okay, so maybe, you know, and see, the other thing of it is, is Android can be customized yeah by the manufacturer so it's right. very possible bill that what you're seeing is correct that the stock version of android does it this way and that maybe samsung has changed it or something i'll get an answer to that for everybody it's a good question and and we'll we'll send it out there but um i i don't know from that direction is it worth the risk to have it open from my opinion i prefer the open distribution system but you have to know what you're doing and it's a very good idea to have antivirus and anti malware stuff set up for that this is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. And we have an extended Q&A later in the show.
4: Have you seen him? He's from the future. He's got a really big computer. And he uses it, uses it every day. And he uses it, uses it in every way. What
1: What's use it for? You know I'm not that sure. Because he uses it. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Glad to have you here. Once your questions, once your comments, send them to us. That's how we get our content. And we love to look out and see what's out there. I've gotten some very unique things. Send it 503 766 6264 on the phone, one user friendly on Facebook and Twitter, or userfriendlynation.com. Joining us, in addition to Jeremy and Gretchen, Bill Snodgrass. Bill, welcome to the show. Hello. So, what is going on? You and I haven't had a talk about this for a while. In the world of video games, I'm hearing that there has been not a lot to write home about.
5: Yeah, it's there's been a lot because it's been a very good year due to the pandemic uh, for video game companies because as people went inside, they started playing more video games. In fact, uh, there's a lot of suggestion that here as we bridge into summer break for schools, you know, there's going to be some increase in, you know, the the stocks for these companies, too um so it's been a very good year but it's also been a really weird year for video game companies um a lot of turmoil and stuff but you know uh as we're gonna talk about in the news later you know there, there's a game console coming out that either just got completely overshadowed by everything else going on and you know the, it's just been kind of chaotic as far as video games go because right. there's a lot of companies that are having troubles companies that certain problems that have been in, inherent in them from the top. Like uh, I'm trying to think of uh, blizzard stuff like that have become like way more apparent where the company is de- the, the parent companies and such are so detached from the company itself that it's like, are you really making games for anybody anymore?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I haven't heard much about blizzard in a long while, you know? Yeah. Blizzard's Liz- a good
1: example as a, as a uh, world of Warcraft player myself and I haven't been on in a long time and it's like it's getting weird it still is out there it still works but there haven't even been any real updates lately
5: yeah and then like on the other hand you have some companies that their games um I guess miHoYo uh with their free to play games which you know I'm not big on free to play because there's a lot of microtransactions Mm -hmm. but there are a couple of games out there that are free to play that I don't mind saying are decent like Ancient Impact or uh Digital Extremes, uh, Warframe. Warframe's kind of had a really rough year itself as far as free-to-play. They just have not had very much update and content. I mean, there has been, but it's just been so bad. And uh, they recently, their parent company got bought out by uh, the big one in China. Can- that does I think it's King or one of those. Right, but-
1: right. Yeah. And, you know, and speaking of free-to-play and microtransactions, this has been another thing that's been a complaint, and I've <sighs> noticed it myself. Is the more and more forced advertising? I don't know, Bill. What do you think of uh, YouTube lately? Oh my
5: God! I <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I use an ad blocker on my computer yeah. because I hate ads and yeah. I hate having tracking. But my if- phone, on the other hand, it used to have two different ways. If I was on Wi-Fi, I would get a bunch of I would get ads. If I was on my own plan data, I would get like a couple. Like mm-hmm. it could tell. I don't know why it could. Hmm. But lately, like I've been running it on plan data because I've just been out and about and around all the time and, you know, having to wait and things, so watching shows, you know, and they changed their, their uh, terms of service for everything. So YouTube itself now will monetize things if it chooses to, even if you specifically state do not monetize. Right. So they're going to put ads on stuff if you say don't put ads on it, even if you don't, you know, that's not your thing. So I, I've just... Lately, it has been so obnoxious to the point where I have almost stopped watching certain videos because I remember watching like a 10-minute video and there were three ad breaks in a 10-minute yeah. video. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad.
0: I, and and the, then the, the viewer loses concentration. You can't follow stuff when you're constantly being
1: interrupted. And, you know, this is actually another big deal on a, on television. When you have an ad, it breaks. What it's doing on YouTube, it just randomly inserts it. So you might be right in the middle of a thought or something that's coming up and it just literally stops. Yeah. Runs the ad and then it picks up where it left off and yeah, it does you know, I I've noticed this too where it's uh, it's kind of uh to a point of not just being an inconvenience because there's an ad, but more being where it actually ruins the content.
0: Exactly. That you're and trying the to view. experience. Yeah. I oh, yeah. yeah, no.
5: I was watching a documentary part on something and it was like mid sentence and it was a weird transition and I'm suddenly like Okay, why is why did they change narrators? And it was now discover you know new uh, Visa card that com- powered by crypto, and it's just like,
1: mm. yeah, like shut a, up. V- a Visa just, card nope. powered by crypto. That's a whole other topic. Which <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to later because we are out of time. But let us know what you think about the ads. This is user friendly two We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Joining us now Steve Mailer with his guest.
3: Steve, who do you have for us this week? Well, guys, today I have a really unique person to talk with today. He's someone that unfortunately I've never actually been on one of his sets, but he has a reputation and a pedigree and just a quality to the work that he does, which is pretty amazing. His name is Tyler Borns, and Tyler is he wears many hats. He's a cinematographer filmmaker, editor, pretty much anything that you want to do creatively behind the camera, he's your guy. Tyler Borns. thank you so much for joining me here on User Friendly.
6: Hey, happy to be here, Steve. Thanks for the very, very kind intro.
3: Well, I meant every word of it, because everything I've read about you is, is kind of amazing. I mean, it's we're in a small market. Northern Nevada is not like San Francisco. It's not like Los Angeles. And yet, the, the type of stuff that you do is very non-local. It's very national. How did you start in the industry?
6: Well, you know, I actually got my start down in L.A. Because I get that question a lot in terms of why why Reno, and so you know, my, my intention was always to go to L.A. because that's where that's where everything's happening at, and I I did, and it and it went really really well. Um, and some of the experience from from the couple of years that I was down there, I still integrate into the the work I do today. But kind of through a series series of events, um, you know, I ended ended up back in. Back in Reno, and um, I kind of fell in love with the area and realized there was room for my skill set and for um, how my skill set could work from not just being a freelance guy to actually being a full fledged uh, production company and so you know when I saw that the area was great, there was a lot less competition in Reno. Yes. Um, I decided to you know kind of go after that and kind of you know just realter my my path a bit
3: well you've certainly done a bang up job of it now you mentioned coming to Reno. Are you from Reno?
6: I am from uh well I was originally born up in Canada. Oh wow. Um, so I am Canadian. Okay. Um but I moved down to the states uh, at 10 years old and I grew up down in Carson City. So just okay. you know, 30 minutes out of Reno.
3: Gotcha. Okay. All right, real good. So um the some of the stuff that you did in LA uh, when you were when you were starting it I mean I'm I'm not going to guess that you were a cinematographer right off the bat. You probably did other things that kind of led up to that?
6: <laughs> I, I I did anything, and everything, anything that could, and everything that I could get my hands on. I my goal was to be a director, but it was like whatever could make me a better I wanted to get experience in anything that could make me a better director. And in my mind the, the way I could be the best director possible was to be educated and have hands on experience in all the jobs that would be, you know, working under and, and with me so that when I'm on set with them I knew what I was asking of them. Is this a big ask? Is this a realistic ask? And just try to get a little bit more respect from people when you know, you know, you know enough about how their, their work works.
3: Well, that is definitely the right attitude. Now, something that I've read about you on Facebook is that you just celebrated a 10th anniversary for your production company here in Northern Nevada.
6: I did. In fact, um, next month will be 11 years now.
3: Well, oh, it's so already, right. oh my gosh. Okay, <laughs> so the 10th year has already kind of gone by.
6: It has well. I think the whole last year for everybody was a bit of a, yeah. bit of a flash.
3: <laughs> wow. Um, so something else that I've learned is you're an Emmy Award winner.
6: Yeah, you know the the Emmys were really um, really kind of a, a surprise, but something I'm not a, I'm not a big athlete guy. I'm really not big into the into the awards and sure. stuff. But those were those were different. You know, that was kind of on a scale where it's like, ah, oh, you know what, this is actually pretty cool. You know, we put such blood, sweat, and tears into into these projects to sort of to get something like that back um you know it felt good it it, it really did
3: now was that for a documentary that was something uh, that had to do with opioids right
6: it was it was so i work okay. with um a company called three six productions and uh, my friend alphonse Polito over there super talented team and so we work with them in coordination with the nevada broadcasters association in the state and they've got a big initiative initiative uh prescription drugs and opioid abuse, that's been, you know,
3: really plaguing the plaguing sure the has. state.
6: So we've, done a, so we've done a couple documentaries
3: okay. now, uh,
6: based around that content.
3: Wow. Well, I mean, a big congratulations for that, because that's, that's pretty big kudos. And I know you may not be a big awards guy, but you certainly have to appreciate reaching that kind of plateau or reaching that kind of mark in your career, because that says a lot about, you know, the kind of work that you do and the quality of what you do.
6: Video, and I almost it almost didn't hit me at first until I started talking about that I got it, and then everybody was like, Oh my god, oh my god. I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess, I guess that is kind of a big deal. I guess it is know, a I big deal. I am, proud. I am proud of that. Yeah. You should very
3: well, you should very much be proud of that. So, um, I had a, I interviewed a friend of yours a couple of months back here on user friendly, um, wonderful audio sound guy, uh, film recordist named uh, Steve Zydek. And oh, he, and
6: I love Steve. <laughs> yeah, he's a
3: great guy. And he told me about a really fun project that you guys worked on. I don't know if it was last year or it was a couple of years ago. A feature film project that you wrote and directed called Desert Shadows. Please tell me about that project.
6: <laughs> yes, Desert Shadows is my big like passion, pro- big passion. Like it's my it's my total baby. I wrote it about like forever ago. It was probably eight years ago. I I wrote it, and it was just burning at me and burning at me. And at one point it was a web series and then it was oh, a feature really? and then it was something totally different. So it kind of kept evolving over the, over the years. And then I finally got to the point where I was like, and this is how I, I, I choose my, my passion project. And I was like, I can't get this out of my head. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's marketable. It's it's a great first one to, to do because it's a horror film and there's a big market for that. So I was like, so for my first like narrative feature where I'm actually like the guy um, I was like, this is a perfect one to do. And I have no reason not to. So I just kind of, um, you know, I'm kind of a 120% into everything. I, I, it do, sounds like it. If I yeah. do it.
4: <laughs> totally sounds so like I
6: it. Like, Yeah. So I just kind of put all my cards on the table. I was like, I don't care what it takes. I don't care if I spend every dime I've, I've made, um, I'm going to make this, this project happen. And that's what we, that's what we did. So to about a year and a half ago, we, uh, we filmed it, and we're just kind of wrapping up uh, post production on it now. So hopefully uh, this year you'll we'll actually be able to to
3: see it. Okay, so that was going to be my next question. So right now you're posting it.
6: Yeah, yeah, we're about ninety percent done. We're just finishing up uh, kind of the last of the visual effects and the last of the the sound and and music, and we're um, we're there
3: now. Can I? I mean, is it too personal to ask what kind of budget was behind this feature?
6: No, 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 not at all. It's um so it's what we call an ultra low budget in the in the industry, um which ranges in the anywhere from like fifty thousand to two hundred thousand range. That's, so we were um, yeah. we were in between that say. Okay, that's
3: <laughs> that's pretty respectable. So now you just mentioned <clears throat> distribution. Like, how might we be able to see Desert Shadows? Because I'm very interested in seeing it.
6: Yeah, well, so that's something that's a little interesting now because things have changed. You know, with uh of course with COVID and the yes. pandemic. Yeah. You know, you'd, usually you'd hit the festival circuit first, and you'd um, you'd kind of use that to you'd build up your user base, and then you would go to to sales agents that would get you to distributors um, to get you out there. Um, but that may or may not be the the case now because so many of them have gone virtual, so they're yeah. um you know they're not as necessary as they yeah. they used to be. So we may do a couple festivals, but most likely due to that, we'll we'll hit direct to distribution a lot quicker, which means. You'll see us on, um, you know, VOD, like, uh, you know, Amazon and exactly. Hulu and, um, you know, p- places like that. Um, you know, we'll we'll go international. We're definitely um, that's where but that's where you make a lot of your money. It, back and it
3: really does. It, okay, the industry part. really has changed because of the pandemic. Well, Tyler, certainly appreciate you being a guest here on User Friendly. And I know I'm going to want to talk to you again because I have a lot more questions for you. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on the show. Bill, Jeremy, Gretchen. Guys, take it away.
1: Steve, as always, thank you for that wonderful interview. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is user-friendly. Great show this week, guys. We've been getting so many questions in, and it's absolutely wonderful. Keep them coming, because that's how we do a lot of our programming, and it's a lot of good information to know what everybody wants to find out. So to talk a little bit about the pop culture in this week, uh, I finally had a chance to see uh, Winter Soldier and the Falcon. Is that the right? Falcon one? and the Winter Soldier. Okay, so Falcon were first. The Falcon see, and then yeah. the Winter Soldier.
2: Two but yeah. yeah.
1: So we kind of binge-watched the first three episodes. I haven't seen the one that uh, came out yesterday yet. But the rest of them, um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was kind of interesting. It felt like it was done along the level of a movie. I would would recommend seeing them. It didn't seem like there was anything too contrived, I mean, for what it is, of course. But uh, (laughs) they do have a pretty decent storyline, and uh, it does seem like it also hits on some current-day issues a little bit. There's at least that kind of a feeling of a connection in some of this stuff.
3: So, um,
1: you know, I enjoyed it. I think it was worth seeing. I, I, I think it was worth going through. The episodes run just under an hour apiece, so you can time yourself out that way. They're all available on Marvel on Disney+. Uh, You don't have to have any special subscriptions beyond the basic one to get to them. Right.
0: I found that I liked uh, Bucky and Falcon even more. You know, I, I, yeah,
2: they have a fascinating work dynamic.
0: (laughs) Yes, they do. To
2: say the (laughs) least. (laughs) And so
0: they're kind of like the the buddies that are at each other's throats. And, um, but I'm like, oh, it's kind of like Thunder Force. I watched this movie on Netflix and it's basically a buddy film with gals okay with women and i was expecting you know i was like oh gosh is this going to be a man-hating film no it's a buddy film it's it's fun lots of humor lots of silliness and it, it's good-hearted so yeah. I, I, if you want something light-hearted it's it's pretty fun i think the special <laughs> effects were pretty good yeah the special effects were pretty good and it stars uh melissa mccarthy uh, Olivia uh, um, Octavia Spencer and Jason Bateman.
1: Okay. Uh, right now, lighthearted is good, especially you know, yes. getting to where <laughs> we're at. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's like a super, a, a fun superhero flick. Okay, no, that's cool. You know, it's nice to have some new content out there. Things are starting to at least show signs of maybe eventually getting back to normal. And along that end, we have some events coming up this fall and. If they really start getting back into production on everything, we're going to have a very busy on-site fall. And you know what? I'm not upset about that.
0: I'm not either. And it it looks like maybe this Star Trek convention thing really will happen because uh, the governor of Nevada is slowly starting to get rid of
1: some of the restrictions. Okay, so they're actually going to open back up. I know uh, Chaz, our Las Vegas reporter, was saying that they've allowed some of the shows to come back at this point. Down Mm -hmm. there, so this Star Trek convention is in Las Vegas, so August 11th to 15th. So that'll probably be the first one we do if we get out there. As long as it's safe, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll keep you up to date on that. And until then, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge.
2: User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014-2021, to 2021, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to
4: podcasts.